Three, two, one. Welcome to the Dave of the Dog Trainer podcast, episode 70. 70. 70. Um, well, today we had a we had a fun episode planned for you guys. Yeah. Uh, we had, um, uh, I believe his name is Gage from um, Pawfesser, Goxley, effing dog dude. He's gone by a million different names before. Um, he's made a massive following for himself on TikTok, uh, YouTube, this, that. Uh, he's a force-free trainer. Um, him and I have had some really, uh, really good conversation in the DMs over the last couple weeks. Uh, I had him locked in for the podcast this morning. Uh, he was compensated for his time, and I woke up this morning to a message from him saying that he had to cancel. So. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately, the conversation isn't happening. Hopefully, we'll yeah. get it rescheduled. You know, listen, yeah. I understand stuff comes up, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, hopefully uh, we could get that thing rescheduled and uh, see what we get with it. Yeah. So, so it's it's going to be a good one. It was going to be a super, super, super awesome podcast, I thought. You know, this, yeah. was, this was one of the first times we had somebody that, like, so severely disagrees with the things that we do. But we were going to be able to have a really good conversation about it. Yeah, exactly. You know? uh, and again, uh, all of our, our chats that we had in the DMs were super respectful. You know, it, it was good. So uh, hopefully we can get that rescheduled soon here, um, you know, and uh, and get that conversation for you guys. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> so we're switching it's gears the, today. It's the way the cookie, way the cookie crumbles, I suppose. Yep. So what we're going to do today is, uh, and we're also starting a little bit later. He's on the West Coast, so we thought, you know, obviously to, to accommodate for time and stuff. Mm-hmm. So today's going to be a little bit shorter of an episode. Uh, it'll probably be about, about an hour or so. Uh, and um, we're going to get into just, you know, forget all the outside stuff for a little bit. Forget all the this person, that person. This is what's going on over here. This is what I think of this. Uh, I just want to get into, you know, some of the ins and outs of... Uh, just some of the dogs we've been working with lately, you know, I, I think, you know, I think we, 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 we experience so many different situations and so many different scenarios with dogs. Um, and we don't, we don't, we don't spend that much time talking about those individual cases here on the podcast. So uh, I want to get into some of the, the more memorable dogs we've worked with recently. Uh, and you know, dogs that I think, There have been very important lessons that either clients have learned or we've learned or you guys can learn just by through us discussing some of the uh, the ups and the downs and the hurdles and this and that of some of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Josh, what can you think of as what was what's the most memorable dog you could remember us working with? You got any in particular that stand out? Oh, man. I got to go. Question. Yeah, I got to go way back for me, though. Yeah, you know. Um, I honestly think that that Rottweiler, um, the one that the video it just keeps blowing up. We did the Killian. Prom- Killian. Yeah. yeah. I feel like he had one of the best transformations. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, just overall, because I remember how strong-willed he was mm-hmm. and how awful it was to take him even down the street you yeah know? um another one would be mochi, mochi for me man. yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> conquering the uh what do you call it the um the sheba scream. the sheba scream yeah and like i remember because he was really really just fearful about anything and everything mm-hmm. and it was like breaking down so many barriers and walls for that little dog yeah. You know, 
Mm-hmm. I think those two are the ones that really stand out. What's that other? There was like German Shepherd too. I I don't think it was Rocky. Murphy. Yeah, Murphy. Yeah, Murphy was a good one. Murphy was a really good one too. Murphy was a good case in point. Murphy, I still use all this his before and after all the time, and I send to people because he's a dog that you know I still communicate with the owners very regularly. You know, mm-hmm. they comment on stuff on Instagram. They're reaching out all the time. We'll use his video here and there, and every time we post it, they're commenting on it like, "Oh my god, he's doing so well." And yeah. he was case in point an example of what I would consider to be probably a pretty well-bred German Shepherd. I mean, he looked great, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was was extremely, um, you know, just kind of everything you would you would think that the breed would be, you yeah. know? But unfortunately, uh, with people that didn't fully understand him well enough, you know? Yeah. And as we went through the process of helping them understand <clears throat> some of those aggressive displays he was showing and the big outbursts and this and that, I think that really, really, really helped um, help to show them more of what they needed to be for him, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have a couple of dogs written down here as far as ones that we've worked with recently that kind of stand out to me as far as dogs in a similar boat, right? Mm-hmm. We can get really hung up in dog training sometimes, that dog training is just this thing that we take and we put it on the dog, right? Mm-hmm. And then we make the dog a trained dog, yeah. right? And yes, there is a communication system we need to teach to the dog, right? Yeah. There is, um, you know, different cues. There is um, the ability to tell the dog yes and no. Like there's foundational steps, their leash understanding, their e-collar understanding. There's foundational steps we need to establish with the dog so that we know they understand what those things are, right? Mm-hmm. At that point, dog training is a relationship of understanding between dog and human. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, you know, there's no right or wrong way in my opinion to take that communication we've established and implement it into the dog's day to day but the dog has to really truly feel like that connection right excuse me um and that communication system is understood from both parties and then we need to deeply understand the emotional side of the dog and what they need in order to thrive, what they need in order to feel safe, right? And this is one thing yeah. I really wanted to chat with with Gage about because I think one thing the force-free community does a really, really good job with is being in tune with the emotional state of the dog, right? Yeah. Obviously, due to the nature of using a force-free approach and not using corrections and stuff like that, it's with the intent of helping the dog feel safe, right? Which is yeah. very noble, and it's a it's a fantastic cause, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think that taking some more of those approaches of how do I manage my dog better, right? How do I understand what situations are just completely unrealistic for me to expect that they should tolerate? You know, Um, you know, how do I help them, you know, create a better association with certain triggers while, um, you know, being aware of the dog that they are, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think balancing all of that kind of stuff out with the balanced approach to training that we have to help manage the dog a little bit more effectively um, really is the magic solution for a lot of this kind of stuff. Right. And in Murphy's case, Mm -hmm. right, he was a strong willed German shepherd that was very, very skeptical of new people. And because we didn't understand him well. Well enough and we had unrealistic expectations as far as what he should have needed to tolerate going yeah. into social situations and new places and stuff he was put in a situation where he didn't feel like that connection was there 
You know what I mean? He didn't feel like we could communicate with him very effectively. He didn't feel like he can communicate with us very effectively. And he definitely didn't feel like we were going to have his back around all these different triggers. So he just started over time shifting into this extremely aggressive state of mind. And as we implemented structure, as we implemented boundaries and rules and limitations and stuff for him, and as we helped him enjoy the training process and show the owners really what a dog like that needs socially in order to thrive, we saw his behavior improve, right? And that's mm-hmm. why he's been able to do so well at home. And again, I've t- talked to them numerous times where it's like, you know, are you ever going to take a dog like that and make it so that you don't have to do anything with them and you could just have people come in and out of your house whenever you please and you don't have to uh, worry about anything and this and that? Like, no, yeah. right? But that's okay. Because as long as you understand how to keep him successful with those situations and you understand how to increase his threshold to different types of social encounters, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to play the long game of improving on his behaviors. Yeah. Right? For sure. <clears throat> so, so, so let's start getting into some of these here, right? So... Um, a lot of this was kind of sparked with yesterday. I went and I did a in-home lesson with a client, right? And this client has a phenomenal dog, right? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm not gonna be like name dropping dogs and stuff like that here because I'm gonna be highlighting a lot of mistakes that people made. I'm gonna be highlighting things they did, whatever. You know, we're gonna keep it fairly anonymous with this. Right? Okay. So, client has a phenomenal dog, right? Young, energetic. Uh, a power breed. It's like a it's like a mastiff corso mix, basically, mm-hmm. right? Uh, really, really, really good dog, right? They ran into a very, very unfortunate situation with him recently, right? So okay. they were out of town a couple of weeks ago, right? And the client. So, so this is a dog that I had advised, right? It's probably a good idea just to board him at a boarding kennel, mm-hmm. right? He, the dog is not what I would consider to be an aggressive dog, right? He's not out trying to, to bite people yeah. and attack people and this and that, right? Mm-hmm. But he's a pushy dog. He's a strong dog. And his mm-hmm. owners have phenomenal control over him. And they've never had any problems with him before, right? Mm-hmm. But... That's because of, again, that relationship they have with him. Right? Yeah. They have a good relationship with him where they have guests come over and this and that. He knows he can't push people around, and he knows what's expected of him, and he knows dad's going to keep him in check and mm-hmm. he you know, acts up or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Whatever, right? So, so they, you know, understandably so. I understand why a lot of people like this. They have kind of the mentality of, you know, well, we don't want to board him because we don't want him to sit in a kennel and, you know, he should be able to just be home and like being at home and this and that, right? Yeah. So they have a a pet sitter they've been working with forever, right? And, uh, yeah, listen, it's it's not as bad as obviously it could have been, you know, whatever. So... <clears throat> they had a pet sitter, right? She was watching them. They have two dogs. They have like an older dog and they have this dog, right? And um, whatever, things were fine. They went over the process. So this is how you handle him, right? This is, uh, you know, to let him out, to feed him, this, that. And again, I want to triple clarify. This dog has not really had an issue with people before. He's just yeah. a big, strong, pushy dog, yeah. right? That could throw his weight around. I think he's like 120 pounds or something like yeah, that. He's big, right? He's a big dude. Yeah. <clears throat> So, so whatever, they're like two days into it. They get a call from her dog bitter, right? Mm-hmm. They were, you know, she was letting them in from outside. It was, you know, rainy or something like that. And she's wiping their paws off and she goes down and I guess he's like squirming around and she grabs the towel and tries to grab his paw with it. And he turns around and he just nails her, right? Mm. 
You know, it's like it's like you know. I think she had to get like four stitches or something like that, like injuries, things yeah. like that. You know, she was okay. It's not like he was trying to attack her or anything like that. But he very clearly was like, no, 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 no. I yeah. don't want you to be fucking with my paws right now. Yeah. And he had no problem telling her that, right? Mm-hmm. So naturally, uh, owner was was panicked, right? Like I think they, I, I think he was in like Chicago or something like that. I think he canceled his trip, came back right away, yeah. made sure everything was okay. This that girl was fine, right? Dog is fine. This that, but naturally he's concerned. He called me like I don't know what to do about you know like help. You know, I don't I don't know what to do about this, mm-hmm. right? So I went over the house yesterday. I just got back in from out of town. Obviously, so it was the first time I was able to get over there, and you know. We sat down and we kind of talked about the situation a little bit and stuff. And it's hard because this is where you get into calibrating expectations with stuff, right? Now, this client is phenomenal, right? Like, I have a, I have a really great relationship with them. They trust me. You know, there's no judgment of like, oh, well, you didn't train them well enough or this or yeah. that. And mind you, it's also been a while since we've worked with this dog, too. Okay. You know what I mean? So, so... <clears throat> and, and you know, the, I wanted to go to the house to see what was going on, right? I, I was like, you know, like, well, let's 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 get some more information on the situation. Let's see what his behavior is like in the house, right? So I get there, I walk up to the door, knock on the door, ring the doorbell, silent, right? It's great, right? And I walk in, I was like, where's he at? He's like, oh, he's in his bed over there. I look over, laying on his bed, being perfectly, res- you know, like it was great, right? Like he cleared yeah. the the first thing that I look for when I go into a situation like that is has the training slipped, right? Is the dog in a place where they're pushing even the owner around with stuff, right? Because yeah. if that's the case, that's one thing we could look at right away of improving, right? In this case, that wasn't a problem, right? In this case, the dog had total or the dog was in, in complete control, right? Or the human was in complete control of the dog yeah. in the situation, right? So, so I go in, you know, look, I was like, okay, this is, this is positive, right? This looks great. I was like, all right, well, what happened? This, that they kind of explain the situation to me, explain what the pet sitter had told them this, that, and, you know, we had to have the conversation at that point that we've had before, but we had it in a more serious manner at this point, because anytime something like that happens, it's funny. We had a clip uh, go up recently uh, from the podcast where I talked about, you know, how to move past an aggressive incident and how do we get back to how things were before. Yeah. Remember that one? Yep. Right. Which I thought was a phenomenal clip. Um, and, and the truth is stuff like that is your reality check. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Stuff like that is the kind of right. Yeah. Hey, we got to change some things here. Mm-hmm. Right. We got to change some things here because here's the thing. Right. Even though I know this is a good dog, that's one strike. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if it's not his fault, even if we look at this situation, we'll be like, well, we screwed up, right? Mm-hmm. We make that mistake again. Something else happens. Man, two strikes starts looking yeah. real ugly, right? We make that mistake again. <clears throat> Third thing happens. That's typically at the point where most people are like, all right. Yep. Euthanization. Yeah. Right. And it's unfortunate because a lot of these dogs, again, they're misunderstood. And that's why stuff like this is happening. Right. Mm -hmm. I had a conversation with them. I equate things to my dogs all the time. Right. One thing I think as a trainer that I have passed a lot of people. Right. Is I've experienced a lot of shit with my dogs. Right. I've had a lot of dogs before. I've had a lot of really, really crazy situations amongst my dogs. I've had a whole slew of different behavioral issues, right, with my dogs. Um, so I could relate to the majority of the things that people will tell me as far as stuff that I've needed to do or accept 
with my dogs, right? And I use Vinny as an example all the time because Vinny is a case in point example of a dog that I do not consider to be an aggressive dog, Mm -hmm. right? But there are a lot of bad time, bad place kind of scenarios that could come up where I guarantee you he would bite somebody Mm -hmm. like with 100% certainty. Yeah. Right. And again, he's not an aggressive dog from the standpoint of like he's going to try to like fuck you up, right? Or go mm-hmm. after you or this or that. Yeah. But he's the kind of dog and has the temperament where if push comes to shove, he's going to let you know that he doesn't like something. Right. Yeah. Now, I have a really good relationship with Vinny, obviously, right? I've owned yeah. him for eight years now or so, right? Like, I've, you know, him and I have been through, we've been through it all. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I've seen the ups, I've seen the downs. Yeah. You know, we have a very mutually respectful relationship of each other where I understand what he needs, right? I understand what his limitations are, and he understands that some things do not fly if I'm around. Yeah. Right? But, because that is ingrained in his temperament, that is in his DNA as far as he is a pushy, strong, confident, willed dog, <clears throat> right? <laughs> I know that if I'm not present, I always can run the risk of him taking that responsibility into his own hands if he doesn't like something, right? I yep. know I need to control the environment around him to keep him safe and happy, right? Mm-hmm. So I use them as an example. I go to the client's house, right? And, and I ask him about the scenario. I was like, listen. I always start the stuff off by saying, I'm not justifying the behavior, right? In the yep. end of the day, I don't want dogs biting people, right? No. Obviously. Yeah. Right? I don't think dogs should be biting people, right? Mm-hmm. Under any circumstances. But it is a twofold equation when it comes to those types of things, oh, yeah. right? It's a twofold equation of me holding the dog accountable for their behavior and me holding myself accountable to keep them successful, mm-hmm. right? And I explained. I was like, the, 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 the thing about pet sitters, right? The thing about like people watching your dogs in your home, right, is that is like look at this from the dog's perspective, Right? I understand some people can get away with this. I understand there's hundreds of thousands of millions of people out there that use pet sitters when they go out of town, and it's no problem, right? But that's what a lot of these people have really easy dogs, Yeah. right? There's a whole caliber of different types of dogs out there, right? Mm -hmm. Everything from your your cupcake little easy dogs that would never hurt a fly to your confident dogs, right, to your actual aggressive dogs, right? Everything in between. It's a spectrum, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And we tend to look at, like, the cupcake easy dogs, those are the good dogs, and the aggressive dogs, those are the bad dogs, right? But but that's not, that's not necessarily true, right? Yeah. This whole spectrum of dogs that we're working with are just dogs that have different temperaments and different needs, and that doesn't make them good or bad. Right. Mm-hmm. That just means that we have to adjust what we're doing for them. Whatever. Yep, so exactly. So the thing about pet sitters that's weird is Dogs naturally are are inherently territorial creatures, right? Mm-hmm. When you have, uh, you know, people come over your house, dogs come over your house, they inevitably will have a stronger association of territorialness with your property, right? Yep. And we could do all sorts of things to improve that. We could do all sorts of things to help them realize, listen, it's not your house. It's my house. You have to have respect of me mm-hmm. as opposed to just take it upon yourself to guard this kind of stuff. Yep. But 
again, wired into these dogs is a sense of territorialness, right? We see 100%. it all the time, yeah. right? That's why we see dogs are worse in their home than they are anywhere else, mm-hmm. right? They're more confident. They're more emboldened. <clears throat> the owners do more things with them that help encourage that state of mind, and you can run into problems because of it, yep. right? So then you tack on, since this training thing, right, since this behavior thing with dogs is a relationship thing, it is about me helping them feel safe, but also helping them stay accountable for their behavior, Mm -hmm. and you then remove me from the equation in a territorial environment, and then you have some rando person coming into your house that's just like, I'm going to do all the routines with you that your owner typically does with you, but I'm probably going to do most of them incorrect because I'm not your owner. Mm -hmm. Again, no offense to the the pet sitters, obviously. Right? And you're going to just need to tolerate that. Yes, I understand some dogs can do that. A lot of dogs can do that. There are some that can't. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And we need to understand that. And, and this goes hand in hand with vets, right? I have another dog written down here. Um, and I'm going to try to not jump around too much, obviously, right now. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- this is similar with vets, right? When you go to the vet and you go into a weird place and suddenly all of these things are going to have to start happening to your dog that never happened anywhere else. The poking, the prodding, the needles, the this, the that, the yeah. weird person in a, a strange environment with all these noises and smells and sounds and this and that, right? Yeah. And they have to be okay with it, right? Yep. Again, equating things to my dog. Kate is at the vet right now with uh, Deli and Turk, right? They need to get some shots and this and that, whatever. Deli and Vinny, but I'm just using Deli as the example because she's at the vet with uh, she's at the vet right now. Um, Deli, you remember, mm-hmm. was a goddamn lunatic at the vet. <laughs> Crazy, right, dude? Like absolute psychopath at the vet. Like like needs sedated to get things done to her and <laughs> yeah. this and that. And again, it wasn't that she's trying to kill you at the vet by any means, but she gets so freaking freaked out when mm-hmm. she's there, she can't control herself. No, right. <clears throat> I've accepted that that is to some extent going to be in her behavior forever, right? We've improved on it a lot. We literally have a video from when I first met Kate (laughs) of us taking her to the vet and showing how we work through that behavior, right? And she's so much better than she used to. But Deli is never going to love the vet, right? And a part of this gets into then anytime we're relinquishing control of a situation, right? Anytime I'm saying... I'm not either going to be present to control this situation, right? Or I'm not going to be the one handling the dog because you need to do this job, right? So mm. I can't control the situation. Or groomers, I'm going to take you to the groomer and I'm not in control of the situation. Or I'm going to leave you at a, a rando boarding kennel or daycare <laughs> kennel and I'm not there to control the situation, yeah. right? I don't put the responsibility on the dog in those types of situations. I put the responsibility on the owner for misinterpreting what the dog is able to tolerate good enough. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I am so freaking strict about who I leave my dogs with. I'm so unbelievably strict about what I expect of those people when I leave my dogs with them, right? Because I know that given the right recipe of things with people that don't know my dog as well as I do can result in an incident like that that will cause them to be painted in a bad light. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Anything to say about that? I don't know. I feel Um, like I got... got, (laughs) No, you're good. Um, I I think um, especially... uh, So when we were talking with Jeff, um, you brought up a really good point 
um, when you were ask, about to ask him a question that I feel like a lot of people get the training done and they think this is, you know, these problems are just mm-hmm. magically gone. Mm-hmm. But it's that's not what training is, especially for these more aggressive dogs. Sure. It's just to help you manage through that. But like you said with Delhi, they're always going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can't change the anxiety rate that this dog has in their brain, you can only manage it. Really. Yeah. It, well, you can, this is, this is the interesting conversation again, between the balanced world and the force free world as yeah. well, because I think one thing that force free trainers get very frustrated with balanced trainers with, and rightfully so, I agree with this is the false perception that's painted of fixing things. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, listen, there's a, I try to separate the behavioral issues I'm working with as far as like uh, emotionally charged behavioral issues, right? Mm-hmm. And just general nuisance behaviors, right? So mm-hmm. like, listen, counter surfing, <laughs> jumping on people, yeah. mindless barking out the window at thing. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> d- digging holes yeah. in the backyard, this, that. Like, sure. Is there an emotional charge behind those types of behaviors? Yeah, you know, to some extent, there's emotions behind everything, obviously. Yeah. But it's not this deeply ingrained, like, fear that's causing them to do this or anxiety that's causing them to do this or this yeah. or that, right? Yeah, exactly. Those things I you can fix, oh, right? Yeah. I am a firm believer in that. Like, like jumping, I use this as an example all the time. Like, my dogs do not jump anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they just don't do it. It's been inhibited, <clears throat> and it is a behavioral issue. They know does not accomplish anything for them, right? And, uh, you know, they know what the consequences are for doing it. They just don't yeah. do it anymore. Yeah. Right? More emotionally charged behavioral issues, right? Um, dog reactivity, um, aggression issues towards dogs or people, crate anxiety, issues at the vet, things like that, right? This is where we get into, yes, you could suppress those behaviors. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you could you could create uh, you could create inhibitions for some of those types of things. But that initial inhibition that you create does not that's that's one part of the equation, right? This is mm-hmm. Jeff was talking about where he was <clears throat> discussing stopping unwanted behaviors, and a lot of people give him flat because they only see part one of the equation. Yeah. Right. Now you could get into the conversation. Well, do you need to inhibit it if you could just change the dog's association with these triggers and this and that? And it's like, I believe yes, right? Because I believe no matter what, if something is that emotionally charged of a behavioral issue, even though the suppression you're going to create is not going to totally eliminate that behavior, it's going to make it 10 times easier for you to then manage it so that you could then start to shift their association with the things. Yeah. Right? So, so, I don't, I don't even know where I was going with that as far as the, the idea of fixing behaviors, right? Yeah. So, yes, I do think in the long run you can improve on those behaviors, right? Yeah. Vinny's crate anxiety, right? It's not 100%, right? Like there are times he gets anxious in the crate and paces around and this and that. But compared to where it was seven years ago, as far as I couldn't even have him in the training facility if I was doing lessons because he would just absolutely freak out. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to do a podcast here right now with him downstairs in the crate like he is right now without him freaking out, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. I've played the long game of starting to shift his association with that crate over time. But the only reason why I was able to do that and have it be like not totally detrimental to the things I needed to do mm-hmm. is because I was able to create slight suppressions in his behavior, right? Yeah. Whether it's the spinning in 
in the crate, the excessive barking in the crate, things like that. I've able to I've been able to suppress those behaviors enough so that he could start the process then of creating a better association of being in the crate. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I go ahead. No, I was I was gonna say, yeah, it's I guess I, I I didn't want to word it like, oh, you can't fix it. No, 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 I get know, it. Yeah, 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 but it's like, it, yeah, it's it's one of those like, we give you, we're giving you this platform basically to like you said over years mm-hmm. that you can use to suppress these things where, it, you know, it's ne- may never go away, but the window that they will happen just gets smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, to the point where it pretty much doesn't happen. But you do always have to be kind of be mindful, like keep with your you know, your routines or what, you, whatever you do to negate that. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, it could always come back. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a great point. You know, like it, dogs, like when you look at behavioral issues that dogs have and you look at things that they're capable of, right? Yeah. The capability is always there. Yes. Right? So, like, yes, you could create, let's say we create an inhibition for jumping, right? Mm-hmm. Like, dog, we'll use something really basic like that, right? I could stop the jumping, right? Mm-hmm. I could create an inhibition where the dog controls that impulse well enough where it's not a problem anymore, yeah. right? But the capability of jumping is still always there. The yeah. dog is still capable of doing that thing. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Let's take aggression then. Let's take a, a more extreme yeah. version of it, right? Um, um, I could take a dog that's biting people, right? And I could inhibit that behavioral issue pretty darn well, right? Mm-hmm. I could inhibit that behavioral issue and show the owner how to socialize them where they're being safe about everything and improve the dog's threshold to things and make the dog like people more and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But even if I've had five years of success with the dog not biting anybody, the capability of the dog to bite somebody given the right circumstances will always be there. Yeah. Right. And that's a very, very, very important thing for people to realize when we're dealing with Mm -hmm. dogs that have aggression issues. Yeah. Right. Because here's the thing, right. I think a lot of people when they're dealing with dogs that have issues with biting, right? And again, we're spinning all over the place right now. I'm not necessarily talking about the client. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Because the client, getting back to that and closing that one out for a second here, that client just needed to have the conversation with me of this is some realistic expectations of what this dog needs in order to thrive, right? Yeah. This dog if you are not going to be in control of the situation, you need to have 100% trust in the person that you're leaving the dog with to groom them, to do vetting with them, to watch them, that they are going to know all of the things they're going to need to do in order to keep that dog successful to make yeah. sure you don't run into a problem. Right? Yeah. That really was the dilemma. It wasn't a training thing. Originally mm-hmm. in their mind, it was what further training do we need to do to get past this? It was a, this is how you need to keep your dog successful and safe better conversation yes right and then in addition to that further elaborating on the process of making sure you know this is how we improve on the dog's tolerance to things like having their paws wiped and this and that et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. right so yeah. that was one thing and, that, and that's why i wanted to discuss that one is because this is a conversation i have with people very regularly where they have an incident with the dog i hear i would say probably around 85 to 90 percent of the time if somebody calls me and says Hey, my dog bit a person. Hey, my dog bit another dog. Hey, I had this major behavioral issue and and whatever, you know, any number of kind of big serious problems like that. 85 to 90% of the time, we could look at it as this was something that could have very very easily been prevented if you understood your dog's needs better. Yeah. 
right? And I want people out there, whether it's trainers and how they're educating their clients or whether it's owners who have dogs, to be much more aware and mindful of that. Yeah. You know, is that a lot of the time, you know, we could do all the training in the world with these dogs, but if we're not living with them appropriately and understanding them well enough, you still can run into problems. Yeah. And I I definitely don't, like fault them, you know, because they no, 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 it's an education thing. Right? Yeah, that's all it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, like, I could, you know, you put yourself in that situation and, and you think you're still doing the right thing, you know, because you get this dog, so you bring them over, yeah. you know, you go through everything, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and you think and that's what they did. They spent, I think he said, he spent an hour with this pet sitter mm-hmm. with the dog, right? Yeah. Of like, this is his routine and stuff like that. The thing is, you can't predict what's going to happen when you're not there, exactly, right? Mm-hmm. So and, and going back to that situation in what Texas or whatever with the pet sitter that yeah. got completely disfigured. This was a conversation we had yesterday as well when I went to the house. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, I don't think that the owners of those dogs had any inclination that their no. dogs would have been capable of yeah. doing that either. And listen, no idea. you know, it sounds like there was a lot more uh red flags out there that they should have been more aware of it, obviously, in yeah, that case. For sure. But I think a lot of people just don't realize the capabilities of their dogs, right? And I think yeah. people need to take some of that stuff a little bit more seriously sometimes. Yeah, you know? for sure. So, and again, in this person's case, this was their first reality check. This is the first time they've ever seen anything like this out of the dog, right? First time ever. He's a yeah. young dog, he's about a year old, just probably going through maturity and stuff like yeah. that. So again, <clears throat> quick reality check. <laughs> this is how we make sure this doesn't happen again. Yeah. Where were we going with that? What else was it, were we talking about? I wanted to close that out, and then I had something to say about what you said. I can't remember fuck it was uh man i feel like i had something good with it too yeah um what were we talking about because you didn't want to equate it to this person yeah yeah yeah. i didn't want to equate it to this person fuck (laughs) all right well this is what happens you know i can't can't remember everything all the time i'm sure i'll think about it in a second here yeah (laughs) or you'll text me later tonight (laughs) yeah damn it (laughs) bummer Okay, so so, whatever. So this is kind of the the prep. I want people to be more aware of the the capabilities of their dogs, right? And mm-hmm. the fact that these are still animals, yeah. right? Animals are capable of things that we could never ever imagine, you know? Yeah. So whatever. So that was one case we ran into recently. Man, I had something to roll on with that too. <laughs> I can't flip and remember what it. All right, we figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping all over the place too much here. Okay, so what I was getting ready to say is, you know, this goes back to then, you know, conversations I have with people a lot via phone call when they call me when they have dogs that have behavioral issues, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, in this industry, we specialize in working with behavioral modification, right? We specialize in working with dogs that have aggression issues, anxiety issues, this, that, right? Um, A common thing that I have people call me about, though, when they have dogs that have biting issues is they say, this can never happen again, right? And listen... I agree with you, right? We can't allow this behavior to happen again. And we have to be of the mindset of we're going to do whatever we need to do to make sure this happens again. The problem is a lot of the people that say this can never happen again are implying that 100% of the responsibility needs to be on the dog and or the trainer to make sure it doesn't happen again, right? We need to take this training or this trainer needs to take this training 
and put it on this dog that's going to essentially be the invisibility cloak of not biting people right <laughs> invisibility cloak yeah yeah and you're going to put it on the dog and the dogs can come home and and then suddenly again the dog's never going to bite anybody again right and i 100% of the time again i don't judge initially on it right because I think a lot of people, again, lack of education. They don't understand how training works, mm-hmm. right? They think it's as simple as that, which, listen, hell yeah, if it did work that way, <laughs> yeah, if I could pay somebody and be like, bro, yeah. make sure my dog doesn't fucking bite anybody, I'd be doing that all day long, too. Yeah. I'm Listen, I'm with you on that, right? But it's my job to then, to then educate the people mm-hmm. on then making sure they understand how the capability will always be there, right? If yep. your dog is biting people, right, you can do all the training in the world. And yes, it is possible to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah. But the potential of it happening again, given the right circumstances, will always be there, right? Mm-hmm. And listen, there may be trainers out there that disagree with me on that. Uh, I, I think that that is the cold, hard truth about a lot of this kind of stuff is that the capability will always be there, right? And when I, it, so I always then spend the time having the conversation with them of this is what it's going to look like to ensure this doesn't happen again, <clears throat> yeah. right? Yes, there's going to be things we could do with the dog to help improve the relationship, to help shift the way they feel in your presence so they don't feel like they should be doing those types of behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to improve their tolerance to some of their triggers that they had in the past, right? But then we talk about safety protocols that owners may need to implement forever with the dog to make sure that they're staying safe about things. Uh, We talk about situations that they'll never be able to put the dog in to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. Things like uh, if you have dog aggression issues, going to the dog park. You're never going to be able to go to the dog park again. Nope. Right? Uh, People that have dogs that are biting people, right? You're never going to be able to take your dog to Christmas dinner again. (laughs) No. Right? You're never going to be able to have your dog out at your kid's sixth birthday party in the backyard with kids running around screaming. And I'm making broad generalizations at this point. Obviously, every dog is a little bit different as far as what that may look like. But I'll explain to people, in your individual situation, this is likely going to be a reality. And are you okay with that? And listen, what I say 100% of the time is, it's okay if you're not. It is. I Listen, I, I... Say all day long, people don't sign up for owning dogs that are biting people, right? Yeah. Most people would not go to the shelter and be like, that one bites people. I want it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Not at all. Uh, what, what did Jeff say? You know, having a dog that bites people is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> I really like it when he does that, yeah. right? I get it, right? I, I completely understand. Um, but you need to decide that. Right. And you need mm-hmm. to understand the 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 responsibility that will be on you for the remainder of owning this dog in order to keep them safe and successful with this. Yeah. Yeah. It's all everything that we do is to give you as much chance to have the highest amount of preventability of anything happening. Of course. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like if you follow these steps, and like you said, like like the dog park or the the you know six year old birthday party, mm-hmm. like you're just setting yourself up for success by knowing that this is not a good thing for my dog to be at, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have them there, you won't have a problem. That, I mean that that's just it, right? And again, 
it's it's a lot of people misconstrue when I have that conversation with them. Oh, I'm taking away all of the things that we should be able to do with our dogs, right? These things aren't rights, right? No. You're not entitled <clears throat> to have your dog at all these different places, right? Mm-hmm. Your dog does not need to do all of these things to have a really good life, right? Again, Vinny, I don't take him to any of that kind of stuff. I don't oh, do yeah. any of those types of things with him, but no. guess what? I got a whole slew of things that I can do with him that fulfill him way more than that. Mm-hmm that most owners out there could never dream of being able to do with their dogs. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? And and if you could shift your mentality from these things are what provide my dog and myself happiness to these things are really what fulfill their needs mm-hmm. and help them feel, you know, uh, 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 important and safe and comfortable and, and enriched and fulfilled and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. then you could be successful with those kinds of things. Yeah. But you got to have that conversation with yourself when you're working with this kind of stuff as far as can you accept that? Yeah. This, I, I keep thinking about it, and it's going to sound really terrible, but it's like at the end of the day when you're thinking about, oh, should I, I bring my dog to this? I should be able to do this. Like, Are you thinking about that in the interest of your dog, or are you just being selfish for yourself? Sure. You know, which is true. And again, listen, this is not intended to be owner bashing yeah. by any means. No, I'm not. <laughs> right. Because this is an education thing. Right. Yeah. That's all this is. Right. But if you look at that mentality, even if you're doing it with the with the the own you're, you're good of like, I'm trying to do best on my dog. Mm-hmm. You have to understand how some of those mentalities are, in fact, selfish. Yeah. You know what I mean? And in order to be successful with it, you have to recalibrate that. Yeah. Exactly. So you're 100 percent correct about that. You yeah. know, it's a, for some people, it's a, it's like a. It's like a staple of pride of like, this yeah. is what I can do with my yeah. dog, Look at what right? Do, As opposed yeah. to just understanding your dog doesn't like some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? and, and you made a great point. Like with Vinny, you can do a thousand other things mm-hmm. than have him come to this party. Yep. You know? And, and he likes it a hell of a lot more. I'll tell yeah, you that. Yeah, exactly. It, those other things are way more beneficial to his his state of being and happiness than mm-hmm. if you try to force him into something that you know mm-hmm. that makes him uncomfortable. Yeah. So, I'll tell you, man, that's a, it's a, you know it's a, it's a it's a tough conversation, right? And it's a, it is. It's understand you know it, it further elaborates on our job as dog trainers is you know there's so much talk in just the training world in general about how we train the dog, right? Yeah. Again, like all this this BS on like you know like uh, oh everybody hates Chef Gellman because he's firm on the dogs and the way he trains the dog, yeah. and everybody loves Larry because he's nice with the dogs and how he trains the dogs and the dogs like him and this and that and you know people don't like me because I use all the tools and we use bonkers and we use this and we use that and whatever right but the training the dog like we we should we almost need to like forget about that part of things because regardless of your training in this camp this camp this camp this camp whatever it may be that is so not the important part yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the important part are these types of conversations and these educational moments for the clients that don't involve training the dog. Yesterday, when I was at this client's house for probably an hour and 20 minutes or so, mm-hmm. I don't think we asked the dog to do one singular command aside from hold his bed say when I came in the house. Yeah. You know, like because because obedience training is not fixing this dog's problems, no. right? And frankly, again, this isn't a matter of fixing these dogs' problems. The owners needed better education, right? Yeah. We are human trainers. We're in the human industry. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yes, a part of that is teaching the dog skills and teaching the dog a set of routines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But that part is so not that important in this yeah. equation. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> yeah. And and just, I mean, really paying attention to your dog. Mm-hmm. Like, 
and when I say that, I mean like really notice what makes your dog comfortable and what, what situations seem uncomfortable for your dog. Sure. You know? Yeah. Like I think that's a, that's a really good thing to just kind of, you know, be mindful of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We want mindful. And, and, and to, to caveat with that, right. You don't want to avoid stress, right? Like we want our dogs to experience incremental stressors to build their tolerance to those types of things. Yeah. But if you're aware of when your dog is stressed, you're going to be more prepared to make adjustments as you need to to keep exactly. them safe and successful. Yes. So. Yeah, for sure. And that's why, like, a party or something like that, it's, it's you know, we've talked about that before. It's very hard to have that, yeah. you know, someone starts talking to you and you don't, yeah. you, you know, that split second. Parties are hard because there's just so many variables. You exactly. Know? Like, in nine out of ten times when you're having a party or you're going to a holiday or something like that, your attention is on interacting and socializing with your family and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. not on your dog, yeah. right? Sure. Can you take your dog to a party? Like, yeah, of course. But I'm a firm believer that if I'm going to take my dog anywhere with me, I need to have my undivided attention on them to make sure that I could help them navigate that scenario. And that's not going to be fun for me at that point. Yeah. You know, and yes, it's going to be overwhelming for the person because I have much less control over the environment around me in a setting like that. Yeah. And I don't know, don't, like... At the end, end, I don't know. At the end of the day, like you're always thinking. Okay, so if you have your dog there, you're always, it's like always in your mind. And you're just kind of like, I don't know. For me, it kind of stresses me out a little bit. It's like I would rather just be there and enjoy the day, you know, mm-hmm. and then have to worry about oh, where's Bender at? What, what's he doing? You know. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of situations that we think we should have our dog, and we probably shouldn't. Yep, hundred percent. That's just where I'm at with that. So. Hell yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap that up on that. Uh, I think that was really good. Yeah. You know, obviously I was going to talk about a bunch of dogs, but I think that one scenario and correlating that to how it can help everybody else, I think that's going to be a beneficial one for yeah. people. So I felt like I contributed. <laughs> you contributed very well, Thank Josh. You. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to wrap that up. We'll see you guys in episode 71. Hopefully we can get that podcast rescheduled with people and then we'll go from there. Yep. You Peace. guys have a great day.